This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The ACC is 4-1 against the SEC. Can we just stop right here? Well, don't. Let's let's just make sure we focus on that, right? <laughs> like, let's, let's not look at Pitt losing to Cincinnati, right? Like, right well, Cincinnati is a, probably a future member of the ACC, so. I mean, let's 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 make sure that you know we're not paying attention to anything else. We're just doing the nope. ACC SEC battles, right? We're we're not paying attention right. at all to some of those other games that are going. We're not we're not looking at Virginia Tech losing at home to Purdue, we're right? Not, <laughs> we're, 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 or we're, we're not we're, looking we're at not, Virginia losing at home to JMU. James Madison. But you know what's funny about that game? And I knew this was going to be uh, a problem. I mean, Virginia was like a more than a touchdown underdog. At home to JMU, it, it was like it's like eight points. Um, yeah, you know we talked about the Monmouth transfer, Tony Musket. Yeah, um, and then the backup comes in and throws for like three fifty <laughs> or something. I mean, for, the thing is, there are positive takeaways to, and of course, you know, here on the you know unprecedented statewide platform, oh, we start off talking about Virginia and JMU. <laughs> but prior to the late weather delay, Virginia kind of had that game, yeah. and much like Notre Dame coming back and hitting an eighty yard touchdown. JMU just started faster um, coming out of the break when they had to play those those final you know minutes of that game. So you know you credit JMU. You're disappointed for UVA, um, and so yeah. Look the the top like getting Florida State to look excellent, getting Miami to look mm. competent, Ooh. North Carolina avoiding disaster, Duke overcoming a slow start. Like those are the best teams in the ACC. And so they're at least still undefeated and rocking and rolling. Mark the tape. Just mark the tape. Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, and Duke. Duke. The best team. It's just, it really is amazing. And look, I, I, I went on with uh, with our new best friends uh, in Charlotte, WFNZ. I'll wave, say hello, uh, say hi to Chip. Um, and they we talked about Duke. Like, could I... Do I think Duke can win, can be in the ACC championship game? No, I don't think they're going to get to that. Um, but I think, because I think they have to go 7-1 and one probably to do that. And I don't see that for the Blue Devils in the cards. But, I mean, they could certainly win five or six in the league based on what I have seen from them. And I don't want to talk about them uh, just yet because I wanted to get to the fact that it's apparently ACC Big Ten Challenge weekend. What? 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 We have six, six games between the, the alliance. The, they looked each other in the eyes, <laughs> and they agreed to stab each other in the backs and steal each other's teams, but also schedule future games on the non-conference schedule. Virginia, yeah, Maryland, Louisville, Indiana, Minnesota at UNC. We want to talk about that? Northwestern, Duke, Syracuse, Purdue, Virginia Tech. And Rutgers. There are six games between the ACC and the Big Ten. Uh, what's our record going to be in those six games? In those six, it's like 0 and 1, 1 and 1, mm-hmm. uh, 2 and 1, 3, three and, and 1, 1, 3 and 2. Probably 3 Syracuse, and 3. Yeah, Syracuse Purdue might decide it. <laughs> oh, so you've given Rutgers the win over Virginia Tech. One hundred percent. Oh, Virginia Tech. The uh, the opening week against Old Dominion is so fleeting. We don't even remember that it happened. Uh, the, and Grant Wells looked good. The transfer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Rutgers, like to, to, 
ACC fans will get to see Northwestern and Rutgers. Rutgers could have beat Northwestern by 45, and I, I really think that Greg Schiano was just doing the, um, you know, call the dogs off right. come like mid to late second quarter in that game, just given, you know, given everything that Northwestern's been through. Yep. I mean, like, if you are trying to imagine coaches – who would cape up for Pat Fitzgerald? Doesn't Greg Schiano come to mind as one of the first? He is the yeah. He is the he's on the cover of the book. Uh, yeah. no, there is he wrote the forward on uh, on how to do that. All right, you, you talked about North Carolina, um, and I just want to go back to the app game and bring it over to the Minnesota game. Like I loved the fact that North Carolina. I thought both teams played well. I think this is a good football game. And in our time, how much time we, we're going to ha- spend on the, these particular issues, I'd love to get your thoughts on these types of games being important for not just the state, but important for North uni- the University of North Carolina to play and win. But the because Matt Brown isn't going to play him anymore. Uh, or at least uh, not on a regular well, he's basis. Not that's listen. Okay, I'll say this: Mac Brown can say that because he's done three and four years, right? You know, like there will be another two for one in the future, but it just might be down the line. Mac Brown yeah. is saying, it's ten years away. Do sign up for it again after I retire. Like let <laughs> let another coach go out and right. and he's talking about passing the baton. Is like let NC State go play him. Like it, they are. I think that you know having that. Re- Wake Forest has played App State, you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, concerned with Wake. I'm not even concerned with Duke. I'm concerned with the two uh, the two state schools uh, playing East well, Carolina yeah, and App on a regular turn. basis. Yeah, just take take turns op- swapping back and forth. And what it should fantastic. be. It's what it should be. But it, like, I think people should smart people look at the win North Carolina's win. That's a hell of a win. I think smart people look at that and say that's a good win and a loss to App State. Is not a terrible loss. I mean, it might have been last year when they were six and six, but for the most part, you lose to App. You've been beaten by a good football team, and I think smart people recognize that. But uh, too too often in college sports, we cater to dumb. Um, so, well, isn't an analysis of that game that North Carolina did not play as well? I mean, I don't think they. Pl- I think that the opponent had something to do with that. I think App is really good. I know they're using their backup quarterback, but I think App is really well, good. A backup, quarterback, a backup quarterback might be your best chance to win. That, that, that's true. But, look, App He's was a high-ceiling, low-floor proposition. He's going to make some back-breaking mistakes. <laughs> he is going to be able to uh, throw that ball around with a lot of confidence. And that's, <laughs> that's where you'll have the learning curve, I think, with him overall. I, I think more than anything else, what we learned with North Carolina is that the, their, their defense is not awesome. It looked awesome against South Carolina, but it's not that awesome. Maybe that was more about South Carolina, which is something I think we talked about last week, that we're not 100% sure until we get the fabric of the season. South Carolina might just have a trash offensive line, uh, which is why Carolina looks so dominant on the defensive side of the ball up front. I think App's offensive line is probably better, which is why they had success running the ball. They had success in a lot of different ways. Again, I think they're good. Um, but I was not disappointed in in what I saw out of UNC. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Well, I think that there's a um, there there is the frustrations defensively that you weren't able to come up with more stops. Yeah. I think that there is you know still a little bit of a yearning. You know whether that is fair or unfair 
to see something that is going to be a little bit sharper, a little bit more productive. I mean, like, for example, when we look at the passing game, Mm -hmm. um, one-fourth of Drake May's total yards for this game came on one play. You know, like pushing the ball down the field vertically. And look, I know, like, defenses are going to play a certain way when you're going up against someone with the talent of Drake May, and that's going to open things up for Marion Hampton. And that's when you're so excited to be able to see him go out there, run for 234 yep. yards, one of the best performances by a running back in the entire country in week two. I Like, there is a North Carolina only that says, I don't care what Drake May's stats are. All I care about are wins. And, you know, Drake May not necessarily being prolific or productive if that means more wins then everyone, maybe even Drake may would sign up for that. But I do think that if we're talking about North Carolina being in that top tier of ACC teams, you would like all of the tools to be utilized and operating at peak efficiency. And I, I think that the past game, which, you know, we can no longer blame the absence of Tez Walker. This is where you, you want to find your rhythm. You want to be able mm-hmm. to know that, uh, even if a team is is playing off of you and then they've got to react and they've got to respect the run game more, now are you going to be able to uh, deliver on some of those downfield shots? Like this is a, it's a really important part when you've got someone with the talent of a Drake May that the passing attack represents uh, that talent that's under center. But, I mean, you can only be as good as the weapons that you've got. And I don't think Carolina is – I think Carolina's got some good players and maybe some players who – flash here and there but who are their best receivers i don't think there's a lot of like awesome out there which is where i still think it's a valid it's it's not an excuse but i certainly think it's an explanation why they're not as dynamic in the passing game even with drake may because you don't have a tez walker i mean if you had two like if you had last year's wide receivers right if green and downs were here and they still were just mediocre through two games, I think you, we would certainly have more of an argument. I don't think they really know uh, who they're throwing to at this point. And you know, lean on the running game while you can until you figure that out. But I, I just think there's you're, you're limited even if, you, even if you do have How a about drink, this? Drink this man. is the pivot. Minnesota's defense is uh, coordinated by someone named Joe Rossi. P.J. Fleck is so cheesy with all of his saying. He, t- he takes up a lot of oxygen. We don't talk about the Minnesota coaching staff or why they're actually good, and it's because of that defense. And that is a group that is going to force North Carolina into third and long. And Amarion Hampton running the ball is not going to get you out of third and long all the time. Correct. There are going to be some tough throws and tough contested catches that have to be made in Chapel Hill on Saturday for North Carolina to win that football game. Yep. And right now that passing attack is averaging about seven yards per attempt, and that is close to the definition of average. Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree, which is why I think there are some limitations on North Carolina. Um but they have to figure that out, and it, this is why I guess they were so mad uh, about the the ruling on Tez Walker, which, again, I think we talked about it last week. The NCAA forecast this. Uh, they forecast it with their, uh, I guess, their opinion of Walker leaving Central to go to Kent State. They didn't buy that um, as pure. They thought, eh, it's just he just wanted to go play somewhere else. They just viewed it as a regular transfer. They just they said it wasn't unique uh, because I think the fear of the MEAC not playing in the fall for the second year in a row 
uh, is anything. Uh, I mean, it's it to me it that's a unique situation. Let me ask you about the Wolfpack. This is two weeks in a row now. Now, granted, Notre Dame's different than Connecticut, mm. but we haven't really seen an offense that screams good, even with Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Taruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know? Yeah, Adam, it's not just if you gave the money to a planning team and they did good the first year. I mean, anyone can do good for one year, but it's a track record and it's a long-term accounts that are very important. We call that a financial fill-up strategy, Adam, and that gives you lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll put together for you, the listener, your very own total retirement plan if you call right now. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's my statement, and right. I want Chip Patterson to react to it. React to it, okay. This is not a question. This is no, a no, 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 no. It's just, opinion. Just, yeah, I, just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's wait. There are going Should to I be speak here. There are going to be some growing pains because young players are going to have to grow up. Like it. It is so disappointing when talented players are out on the field, and they make mistakes that we've seen through generations of watching college football Mm -hmm. that young players make. And, you know, bad read, not knowing where to go, a drop here or there. They've dropped some passes, no question. There were some drops, boy. And I I think that this, uh, right now, Brennan Armstrong, to me, gives you the best chance to be able to steady things as much as as possible because he did show you in that UConn game that he is willing to go out there and just throw it all out and be like a just downright. I I mentioned, I think it was with you that Dave Doran, he's like, I got a Jordan Lynch out there. I mean, just somebody (laughs) that's just going to go like, give me the ball. We're going to go and figure this out third and three. I'm I'm just going to go get it. And man, you don't always get that. You get that out of a like 12th year senior who's out there like willingly putting his body on the line when he could go and be a, you know, real estate salesman in Charlottesville right now. But instead, he's deciding to come and suit it up and sweat and take hits behind an offensive line that has underperformed my yep. expectations and others and try to go get those hard yards. So I think that it's just going to be a little bit of growing pains with the skill players when it comes to the Brennan Armstrong, MJ Morris debate, I still say you ride with Armstrong just be, and, yeah. unless there's injury, of course, um, and that the offense is going to be limited. It's just it doesn't scare a lot of defenses right now. Mm-hmm. And until those young players start making defenses respect them, they're going to continue to face difficult situations pretty much every possession. Yeah, yeah. by the way, I also found it interesting when uh, Bradley Rosner caught the touchdown pass that – uh, so for somebody playing in his eighth college football season, I think it is interesting to juxtapose that against the NCAA denying Tess Walker eligibility. I'm like, what doesn't doesn't that was Rosner the one at the very end? Uh, yes, that the was transfer State's from Rice. Best, yeah, NC State's best drive was in garbage time. Not, oh no 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 no! He caught a touchdown pass earlier, before the break, was like it, when they. Was it the to score right before? Or did uh, he catch one against Connecticut? I don't even remember anymore. 
because I had my own two and a half hour delay on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, let me ask you about. Uh, we just go national here for a second. Mm-hmm. All this shade being thrown at Clemson uh, after losing to Duke, maybe a team that's almost as talented as them. I'm kidding. Um, should we be saying the same thing about Alabama? No. Um, Texas, like that's, I'm not ready or to maybe bail. Texas is that good. Yeah, no, I, I'm on the other side. I was, you know, I, I was drunk on Texas coming into the year. I, I was coming out, I was saying that the fact that they were not a top 10 team in the preseason rankings, okay. disrespectful. It's a top six team in terms of roster talent by my preseason analysis and not putting them in the top 10 was just taking a false narrative because we have not expected Texas to be the best team in the Big 12 that often. I mean, we've talked about this, right? They've only been picked to win the Big 12 um, only since 2009. They haven't done it at all. Right. Like we have only expected Texas to be better because of resources right. or because it's Texas football. The results have not been on the field suggesting that this is other than a just fine Big 12 team. And this year we looked at the roster and the people close to the program said, yes, this Texas team should be the best team in the Big 12 and should be able to be have an outside shot at the college football playoff. Let's see what happens at yeah. Alabama. Well, we just saw what happens at Alabama. This is a team that's contending for the college football playoff with its best roster that it's had in more than a decade. Right. And they've got a chance to have a really, really special season. Same old Texas would be to lose to Kansas or Iowa State later in the year. So <laughs> those are going to be the games right. where we find out whether this is same old Texas or whether we are really in the midst of something special. I'll tell you, Mac Brown probably has something to say about beating a blue blood on the road and what it can do for a campaign as it is the biggest, for my mind, the biggest road win for this program since Vince Young took the Longhorns into the shoe right. to beat Ohio State early. I think it was week three, not week uh, two. I, might have, I, think, is, I thought it was week two. It was eerily similar yeah. that everybody kind of woke up because, you know, Texas finished the year strong. I think they were a nine or ten win team. Yep. And then they win that game, and we saw what happened after that. I, I would not be surprised if we're in the midst of something special for the Longhorns, because again, uh, this is the best shot that they've had to do something special. I think two things can be true. I thought with all of that, it was still a very close game and Alabama took the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, but it always just looked to me like Texas's offense came easier than Alabama's offense. And I, I think Alabama's offense is fairly ordinary. Now it'll be good enough it's to win cool. a lot of games. Right. It's flawed. Yeah, like I, 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 I just think, think it's think just Texas okay. Yeah, Alabama's offense is either a deep shot or Jalen Milrow running the ball. It's yeah. like the intermediate game is has nothing. And when those when that's the if-then proposition, then you're just playing roulette. And some people make a lot of money on roulette for a night. I actually, there's a, I think there's a book out on how to beat the – no, it's, it's Billy Walters, right? The Billy Walters book, he had a system on how to win it – how to win at roulette. How do you have a system on how to win at roulette? I don't even understand that. But we'll talk about maybe that book and other things uh, like that another time. Uh, Chip Patterson, always goes fast. Thank you, man. Sounds good. Y'all be well. I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn 
intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu.